0: There were a surprising amount of female-led movies released in the month of February. So, join us now for the Feminist February Roundup. I'm Mike. <laughs> and I'm Jared. And this is Popscorn. Entertainment movie review podcast, and today we're going over three movies. It's not the first time we've gone over more than one movie in an episode. But I was going to make it a big thing, but they were all released in February. They all have female leads, so welcome to Feminist February! <laughs> Yay! Uh, literally, you just yeah shattered that term before we
1: recorded. Captain Marvel. We are so. uh, the two most qualified people to talk about such things, being straight white men on the internet. Um, <laughs> That's where we're most dangerous. For once, the rich white man is in control. <laughs> The Simpsons quote <laughs> for, for everything. everything. Um, yes, off the back of Captain Marvel, although all three of these movies were released before that, Yep. Um, it, it kind of... We were talking about what movies we were going to cover for the podcast, obviously, and we mentioned the four prominent ones we'd seen so far this year, all of which were female-aimed, female-led, feminism-ish movies. Interesting. Which is really interesting and really welcome. I mean, I know... I, I, no, we, we did... You can think of why it's all happening around this time. Obviously, International Women's Day, uh, I think is at the start of March, possibly end of February. Yeah, because it when Captain Marvel yeah, was. Yeah, when Captain Marvel so came out, that ed- was uh, International Women's Day. So bunching them around there kind of makes sense. Um, we're all for it. As we mentioned in the Captain Marvel review, representation and different voices is always a good thing. Tally-ho. But are they actually good movies? Uh, is the question. And I think all three of them actually tackled the kind of championing of women's rights more overtly than Captain Marvel does weirdly although that was the big banner one everyone rallied around yeah go and uh, listen to that review for how we felt yes. about that movie so we have three on the docket they are The Lego Movie 2 uh, Fighting With My Family and A Battle Angel I've seen the first two Magda's seen A lethal, A lethal Battle I've called Angel. it Akira Battle Angel A lethal, <laughs> 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 A Link to the Past Battle Angel um, Alan Battle Angel <laughs> <laughs> Um is what Michael said. So, um which one would you like to hear my thoughts on first, Michael? Let's go Lego Movie Two first. Okay, um so this is obviously the only sequel, mm-hmm. so it's kind of weird that they, they've pivoted it into being really quite about um it's it's more about brother sister relationships mm. but the the kind of the, the crux of that is more on the women's side in this one. Where um Wild style, uh, from the first one, aka Lucy um, the basic plot is that uh, it's the Duplo Apocalypse. <laughs> Hell of a sentence. Um, and and <laughs> they, they actually went with that. They did. They went whole hog on the Duplo Apocalypse where everything is like post-apocalyptic now. <laughs> uh, and it's really good. So obviously Brickberg has been um, has been taken over by the Duplo. Um, and they kind of use that as this anchoring into the idea. We know that he had a little sister and that. She was the one that introduced the Duplo at the end of the movie. This is set... It doesn't really make a distinction of how long after the first movie, but I'd say it's at least five years since the first movie has taken Mm. place. Um, And this character called... um, Oh, my God, what is her name? She's from the Sistar system, but now I can't remember what her name is. A quick Google search later, we know her name was General Mayhem, and she's played by uh, Stephanie Beatriz, who is... um, Oh my God, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's Diaz. Uh, of course she is. Oh, my memory's so bad. Um, Diaz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine plays her. Uh, and she turns up and kidnaps um, basically all the main characters from the first movie, with the exception of um, Emmett, and takes them away to the Sistar system, uh, which is clearly the sisters' set of Lego, because yeah. it's mainly Duplo blocks and the Lego Friends range. Um, and w- w- we'll talk about that later. Um and it's basically Emmett's quest to go and save, um, save Lucy and save the rest of them from the star system. Uh, and in the way he meets up with Rex Danger Vest, also voiced by Chris Pratt, who's basically a parody of every character Chris Pratt has played. They even <laughs> like tie into Parks and Rec a bit, saying that he used to be this chubby funster, and then <laughs> he worked out a bit, and now he has abs, um, which is really funny. That's brilliant. Um, so, so that's good, and and the the plot doesn't really stretch much more than that. The um, head of uh, the Sistar system, who's called Queen Whatever, wanna whatever uh, wanna be, so Queen Whatever, I wanna be, um, who's like this. Is basically, just a load of Duplo blocks mm. who like you know morphs around lots. It's 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 a cool effect. Um, she wants to marry Batman. Um, I see. That's your plot for reasons. Um, and Emmett wants to stop that because she thinks it will bring around the end of the world. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't really go much further than that in terms of a plot. Hmm. Um, but the the themes are... It's about, you know, the sister trying to take more... Um, he, she wants to play with her brother. This is kind of skipping ahead a little bit. There will be... I'll give you a mild spoiler alert right now. Um, because we're obviously not going to be able to split this do normal movies. Um turns out, obviously we go back to the real world in this as we did end near the end of the first movie where, you know, Will Ferrell turns up for some reason. Yeah. Um, and the basic plot of this is basically the sister has gone and stolen uh, all these toys from downstairs and is just Tracy trying to get her brother to play Legos with her because her brother's always, like, shunning her. Mm. Um, and that's where, again, this is why we're kind of lumping it in with the other two in terms of Feminist February. Um, because it's all about, you know... It pedals the, you know, women are just as good as men and can have play with Lego and be just as fun and cool as the boys. Uh, but they're doing it through the dynamic of the brother sister relationship, which is why I think it works really well. the The core of this movie, at least when they kind of go into the real world, is actually quite sweet. It's um, uh, it just plays on that thing of like you know kids should get along it doesn't yeah. really get much deeper than that I'm kids afraid kids
0: shouldn't have a divide we're because... not going to have much of a discussion about that but yeah it's it's about um... well it's interesting to me anyway because as far as I was concerned the original intent uh, of the Lego toys was always to be a unisex thing and then you go yeah. off and they did the gendered versions of these toys like say was it the Lego mini dolls or something like yeah. that there's that and then on the boy side it's like the Technics it's like yeah. but really you could play with either yeah. it's fucking Lego like it's interesting that we have to cross this divide in a movie based on the property that was already not gendered. So how does it kind of like play with all yeah, that?
1: It's kind of Lego in the narrative again. Mm. Of like, no, we're for everybody in this movie but prove that playing together is the best thing. And at the end of the movie they do rebuild Bricksburg after um, he destroys it, the brother destroys it in a fit of rage because his, daughter, his sister keeps stealing all of his toys. Uh, and they rebuild it together, and isn't that sweet? Um, and there's kind of a really sad bit where he's like, she just says, I just wanted you to play with me, and he's just like too caught up in being like his dad, really, and just building all these perfect things. Um, right. That's why it's been lumped in here.
0: <laughs> Move that aside.
1: How, oh, and, and Rex Danger Vest is kind of toxic masculinity. Right. Has the. Swerve, he's the bad guy mm. in all of this. Any interesting cameos in this film? Uh, Not that I can remember. I may be forgetting one, but no, I don't how, think so. How does it so.
0: stack up to the original?
1: Um, it, <laughs> It's not a special. That, no. shouldn't, um, that shouldn't strike anyone as all that like, weird. It's a sequel after all. But it's not like this is a complete jump off a cliff. Um, It's still got some pretty good jokes in there. Um, I don't think it's got as many as the first film in terms of really getting like the big laughs. So I watched it in a fairly full cinema and I don't think much really rise above like a proper belly laugh. Um, but I like it. It's got a really, it's got a really sweet story. And because there's not this mystery of what the craggle is, then we're all aware of like this. It's kids playing with the toys. Although they still do that weird bit where you kind of think, wait, is the Lego alive though? Mm. Near the end, there's this really weird bit. Uh, and there's actually time travel involved with this uh, movie, wouldn't you know? Oh, because Rex Dangervest is Emmett, and that's why they sound alike. Oh. Emmett, in like a whilst his sister's playing with the toys, Emmett ends up underneath the dryer, like <laughs> gets cast underneath it, and he's under there for years and becomes grizzled and hardened and turns into Rex Dangervest. <laughs> I'm not making this up. That's fucking. And phenomenal. so he he goes back in time. Uh, In his big fist spaceship to um, take Emmett into, you know, intercept him on the way to the Sistar system. What are these fucking words? Um, (laughs) Intercept him and kind of corrupt him Mm. and stop his system from ever playing with the Lego so whatever happens to him never happens. Unnecessary, I think, but fine. Um, The animation is still brilliant and fantastic as a technical achievement. It's even better than the first one, I'd say. It, it's really good. Um, there's not as much... So the real fun of the first one was, obviously, Batman was the breakout character, but you also had Superman and Green Lantern, which was Jane Tatum and... Um, John Hill. Jonah Hill. Uh, they're in two scenes. Jason Momoa is back as Aquaman, which right. is fun. And there's a joke near the end where they're like, um, once all the characters get taken away, they're like, Abraham Lincoln, who's like post-apocalyptic now, uh, he's like, the only people we have left are um, regular Aquaman <laughs> and, like, knockoff Sherlock Holmes, who's like Burlock Pones or something like that. He's uh, like, that's literally all... Oh, no, that's it. It's knockoff Mary Poppins, Barry Poppins. is <laughs> all we have left to fight, um, which is quite funny. Um, I'm ramming a little bit because there's not much to say no. about this movie other than it was funny, there were some good visual gags, and it told a nice story in the end. Does it still have a good song in it?
0: Does it happen that Uh, Everything is Awesome?
1: It does! Uh, It's called This Song is Gonna Get Stuck in Your Head, (laughs) written by no less an authority on comedy music than John LeJoie. Oh! Yeah, they got him in. They literally got him in to say, we need you to write something as catchy as Everything is Awesome. Everything is Awesome turns up a few times in the movie um, as a tweenie-bop remix at the start. Um... And then it turns up as everything's not awesome when everything goes wrong and they're all about to be chucked in the toy bin. How
0: do they not call it everything is awful?
1: I know, I know. That's a opportunity. Um, But yeah, that's probably the best bit is the this song's going to get stuck in your head. That's quite nice. Um, It maybe goes a bit too far in the kind of real world stuff. Mm. I mean, like I said, the story's fun but the kind of like... uh, The time travel and the falling off the desk and all that stuff, it kind of revisits it a bit too much. Whereas I feel it was a really nice part of the original movie when that happened, because yeah, no
0: one expected it to. Happen. No, no, nobody expects it to happen. That's the thing; it's not special. And
1: I, I yeah, the cap take the bag now, and I feel I just overdid it with, with that type of stuff. Um, as far as the recommendation goes, I think it's a solid three out of five. It was, it's pretty good. Um, what isn't my favourite movie I've seen so far this year? I admittedly haven't seen a lot. This was, in fact, the first movie I'd been to see all year. Wow. Yeah, January, nothing. Um, <laughs> wasn't great. Um, but I, I liked it. It's not the first one, unfortunately. Like I said, the, the, the cat's out the bag and quite a few of the jokes that they can't revisit. But it's worthwhile. It did get some pretty good jokes and some pretty good laughs out of me. So for that, I can give it a hearty recommendation. Fair enough. Um, and it's a nice entry level for kids into gender equality.
0: Yay. Yay. George, should we go with Alita next or should we go with um, um, Fight With My Family?
1: No, go with Alita.
0: You think? Okay, cool. I said it correctly. You did. Finally, we've take that opportunity to not so subtly segue into Alita. So this was pretty much the other big tentpole um, sort of like live action movie that is a straight up Hollywood blockbuster um, alongside Captain Marvel as the big women of the main characters thing. The difference with this one, however, is not based on a Western comic book. It's based on a Mm. Japanese manga um, and has been in production hell for God knows how fucking long. Probably too long to actually think about, really. Um, It was um, produced by James Cameron, was originally going to be properly directed directed by James Cameron, but he handed it over to Robert Rodriguez. Um, It stars Rosa Salazar in the main title role of Alita. And like I say, based on the Japanese... Actually, I was about to say the, Jap- uh, the Japanese manga of the same name, but the, the name of the manga is like Gundam or something like that. Don't ask. Okay, not worth asking. Um, the story concerns a, sort of like a cyborg girl who looks proper anime with the big massive oh, eyes. The big eyes. The, the first trailer of that made that look really horrible and otherworldly. Yeah, but I toned down. I'm ple- They did tone it down. I'm yeah. saying I'm pleased to report that in this movie it looks really nice. There's a lot of very interesting visual choices with this film that I'm really, really getting, can get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but how does it fit into Feminist February? Well, we've talked about it. It's, it's our lead character, which is Alita herself. Yep. Um, brilliant performance by Rosa Salazar. Absolutely brilliant. Every emotion being heightened uh, visually kind of allows her to be a bit more skittish in her performance in yep. that... Because she is not a real human, although the, the whole transhumanist thing is is a big crux of this, yeah, this story. Yeah. Um, because she is pretty much entirely cyborg, save for, I believe, I believe it's the brain, although it might be the heart. I mm. can't remember. Um, of what it means to be human and how she kind of rediscovers her own humanity, what she believes to be her emotions and whatever. It's really good, Darren. I, I, I'm I an apologist for the, a previous movie like this, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Everyone really ragged on Ghost in the Shell. And I finally got round to watching it and I didn't think much of it. Initially. Didn't think much of it. Mm. I would say still give Alita a chance. Okay. Purely because of our lead character. The, she is fantastic. I, I'm not going to say flawless because there were bits where it's like, oh, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. Right. So maybe the, the overacting can... Reach rear its ugly head a couple of times here and there, but generally, they do a good job of making her empathetic, and you want to see her win. And it's badass when the little robot girl is beating up the big brick shit house. It is fun. Oh okay. god! And that's what the movie is from start to finish. It is fun. They they kind of go right. Okay, in this world, there is going to be batshit crazy things happening, like Christoph Waltz with a fucking rocket hammer. Mm-hmm. But you just go with it, and Hell you embrace sentence. it. I know, right? Hell of a scene. Hell of a scene. That scene is fantastic. There is a back alley brawl between Christoph Waltz playing Dyson Ido, who, yeah, I think, it's, I think the original Japanese character's name was Daisuke Ido or something like that. Okay. But, you know, Hoover's. Um, and he's like this underground assassin as such. Right. There are, like, bounties for robots that have gone rogue. Uh, and it's you have to bring back their heads. Right. He's out hunting. Alita finds out that he's a hunter and tries to join him. It goes badly. He has to and he has to use the big, massive, rocket-powered axe hammer. It's fucking badass. Uh, and then it turns out that the brain inside Alita, because she was found as just a head and like a bit of a bit of a neck. Yeah. Um, the I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck up the the pronunciation of this, but she's able to use a, an ancient martial arts used only by cyborgs before the fall, because, of course, this is post-apocalyptic. Of course, yeah. Uh, called Panzerkunst, I believe, or something like that. It's dangerously close <laughs> oh, to... Oh, God. Bad swear word there. Um Basically, it's just... It's super kung fu. Let, let's be honest Okay. With it's super kung fu. Sweet. Um And it just makes her an incredibly dangerous weapon. But, of course, she's an itty-bitty small girl, so how could she be so dangerous? Feminism. Um, that's <laughs> He's not weaponized it. Weaponized it. No, but what I think that this movie does best in terms of this whole feminist message is that she's instantly empathetic and instantly relatable from from minute dot. It doesn't have the problem with Captain Marvel of there being a character in the lead role who already feels so unlike you. In Captain Marvel, there was this there's this feeling that. Because she's so almighty and all-powerful, mm. there's no tension in the scenes. There's there's no like, well, she's just going to fucking roundhouse everybody and everything's going to be fine. There is... Yeah. There, Whilst you have the same sort of putting Alita on a pedestal going, well, she's incredibly powerful. Yeah. She knows this incredibly deadly cyborg super kung fu. How can possible, anything possibly to touch her? It's yeah, like, yeah. well, she's not in her original body. She's not you know, in, in check emotionally. She's completely rediscovering. not just to the point of, of like saying Captain Marvel where you have that storyline of amnesia. Yeah. It, it, we're not coming to, from a point of, oh, I've been living one life and let go to the ones. Like, who am I? Where am I? Who are you? What am I? Completely relearning everything about the world. Mm-hmm. And they handle it better than Captain Marvel, I do think. Um, but yeah Rosa Salazar is absolutely the gem of this movie now the supporting cast do help her out specifically Christoph Walls. yeah and there is a great rivalry between her and Ed Screen's character yeah uh, whose name I can't remember so Ed Screen gone... is Deadpool guy yeah the guy who played Ajax um, he's playing Zapan in this one
1: Francis.
0: He looks Francis. He looks fucking cool. The visual design in this I'm, I'm sorry, I'm it's just I'm remembering bits Go, go, go. Yeah. So the, the visual design of Zapan is fucking awesome. So mm. Ed Screen is basically just like a face and the rest is CGI. Oh uh. And sometimes it can look a bit shit, but when it's when they get it bang on, fucking god that is it's like it's like imagine like a metal version of a biker jacket, but it's the whole body. Whew. It's fucking cool. Um, they get an interesting um, supporting cast in this, and I think one of the, well, two of the interesting ones are Kean Johnson as Hugo, um, who's kind of the, the 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 love interest character, who whose story we'll talk about in a minute, and uh, Jennifer Connelly as uh, Doctor Chiren, mm-hmm. who's who's Christoph Waltz's ex wife who now also works as an engineer for a blood sport with Mahershala Ali's character. Right. So it's, an, it's a big fucking sprawling story. N- never do I feel bored by this movie as well. That is, that's another thing I wanted to mention. So in this story, Alita is found. She gets grafted onto a new body, which was the cyborg body of Christoph Waltz's and Jennifer Connelly's daughter, who died... And they were building her this robot body so that they could transfer her consciousness over, but she died before they could finish it. In that time they find Alita, they give Alita that body. Um Chris Jennifer Collins' character gets real fucked off about it and he's like, Don't give our don't give our daughter's body to a random thing you found in the garbage dump. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Who I solid c- advice. Solid advice. Um but then things happen, she meets Hugo and all these human characters, She... Discovers what chocolate is, which is a great scene. Like emotionally, like just telling a story in just Yay. facial expressions. lead to discovering chocolate is a brilliant scene. Um, and then it all manifests in okay, so she's a robot, so she can do all this cool shit, so she can go and play in the blood sport, which is called motorball, which is brutal as hell. Those scenes are really, really well shot and well paced. Mm-hmm. Um, with the hopes that she can go up because they live in Iron City which is right. on the bottom, and then there's the, there's this other city in the clouds, which I forget the name of. It's Steel not Steel City. Steel City. It's not important. Um, not you, Important City. Not Important City. And you can go to Not Important City if you win Motorball. Right. If you're like game. the champion. So it's the Hunger Games. Yeah, so there's that, as well as the assassination stuff, as well as the finding out that she's actually a robot from Mars stuff. There's a lot going on in here, Darren. But never was I bored. And always was I on the side of Alita. Whilst some of the characters, especially Mahershala Ali as who is a fucking non-entity. Sweet. And a really weird um, cameo at the end from, oh God, who was it? Edward Norton just turns up in the last five minutes and is there as sequel bait. Is he also from Mars? Um, yeah, well... Is he a biker mice? Yeah, he's not a biker mice Although oh. that, that would have been cool Damn it Would have liked
1: that Where's that reboot? <laughs> right? I
0: want the biker mice from Mars now. <laughs> Where's my reboot? I don't want my reboot Give re-bo- me street sharks <laughs> <laughs> Where's SWAT cats when you need them? SWAT cats? You've made that up? No that's a real one oh, I God. fucking love SWAT cats Anyway um, Mystic Knights of Turn-on-Oak. Oh No I vaguely remember that one Got a banging thing
1: the Mystic Knights i turn turned on no sweet I'm going to look that up in a bit it, was, it turns out it was Irish who knew <laughs> so it turns out it, it was, was Irish imagine was Irish power rangers you're there <laughs> you're done
0: <laughs> ah Jesus the putty patrol <laughs> where's that fucking Rita <laughs> they're all the green right you're out <laughs> fucking big lizard <laughs> Terra, fuck that! No. <laughs> Wing, uh, I hear you're the Green Ranger now, Father. <laughs> Should we all be Green Rangers, Father? <laughs> Focus, my go. Watch, go watch Alita. It's fucking great. Um, and the entire reason that it's great is purely Rosa Salazar. And, and she, in the interview, she comes off as a really, really cool person. Um, just kind of like wreck the whole thing. She's like yes, everybody can get behind this female character purely because. She's empathetic and interesting and discovers what it means to be human. And that's good shit. Personality. personality, Fantastic personality. Ah, it's really good. I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that an anime movie was this good. Oh, yeah, they haven't had a great track record. They really haven't.
1: Oh, I don't even like Dragon Ball Z and I feel sorry for that movie. (sighs) I know. We don't speak its name. (laughs) Netflix will get it eventually. They'll do something good with it. Don't.
0: Oh. What they did to Death Note, it's not okay. Hang on,
1: hang on, hang on. Come in. I haven't mentioned this yet. Have you watched The Umbrella Academy? Not yet. Oh, you've got to watch The Umbrella it's Academy. Good. It's my favorite thing I've seen this so far this year. Wow, really? Un fucking believably good. Really? Hilarious, banging CGI for a Netflix show. The monkey in that sh- in that film puts Caesar to gives him a fucking run for his money. Jesus, think on that. Funny, action scenes are really fucking good, really interesting plot, it's fucking dope as shit, go watch it.
0: Interesting, written by Gerard Way.
1: You know, uh, we people who've listened to that pitch episode know I'm a bit of a fangirl, but it's even if that wasn't a thing, because there's not a single My Chemical Romance song in it, wow, unbelievable, it is fucking unbelievable how good that show is. You have to watch that. Better than Punisher, and I fucking love Punisher's you season love 2, Punisher. but this is better. Anyway, um, never t- Oh, um oh, here we go. We all know Darren's a wrestling fan. It's well documented. We get it, Darren. You like the wrestling. Begrudgingly, admittedly. Uh, and yes, there will be a WrestleMania episode probably on this channel at some point if I can force Michael to watch it. Fun. Guess how long it's going to be this year, Michael? Five hours.
0: Eight. Oh, fuck me. Last
1: year was seven. They're <laughs> coming for the record.
0: How can you watch it for that long?
1: How? You've got you to be smart about these things. Well, that's including the two-hour pre-show, where some so matches you happen... you could not watch that, right? Well, matches happen on there, but they're not important matches. But they'll be good matches, because the Cruiserweight's on there. But every time someone starts speaking, you just mute that, and just watch Parks and Rec on your laptop, like I did last year. <laughs> like, whenever I see an entrance, I'm like, oh, I need to pay attention back to this thing. But I watched about four episodes, actually. <laughs> it was great. Um, anyway, fighting with my family... Now you may not be aware of this, Michael, um, but the reason this plays into Feminist um, February not only is it a female empowerment movie led by a, a, a strong female character, um, it's also part of WWE's really aggressive and over the top branding of itself, rebranding of itself as the, uh, the the women's revolution. That's their word for it, not everyone else's. They legitimately they've been calling it. The they reference role. it on TV as our women's revolution. Right, right. Which is half
0: genuine, half branding exercise. Is this? Is this? Because uh, I know it's based around. Oh God, what's her name? What's the wrestler's name? Paige's story, and I know that recently some of the biggest names in the WWE have been like the man and the man Becky and, Lynch and Asuka. I'm the man Asuka, um, she's
1: yes, big. Yes, Asuka's awesome she makes no sense she's just japanese but she she smiles a lot and kills people it's fucking And
0: Rick Flair's daughter is Charlotte is
1: Flair yes and also Ronda Rousey from the world of MMA yeah she's that's a thing that happens currently undefeated women's champion uh they are going to main event WrestleMania this year it was confirmed last night on raw they're going last which is a first never happened before at WrestleMania big fucking thing so was it Becky Lynch versus Becky Ronda Lynch, Lynch Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair three way okay. um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um They've really been going hard on this women's revolution for the past about two years, and they've kind of co-opted Paige's story into the start of it. Uh, it wasn't. We'll get to who it actually is who started it all, but there we are. And they've had a lot of first time. We had the first women's Royal Rumble, uh, the first women's Last Man Standing, the first two out of three. Uh, no, uh, Iron Woman match. We had a Hell in the Cell. We had a Women's Only pay per view in October just before the Saudi Arabia show when no women were allowed. Who knew? Um, So they they give with one hand and take it away with the other. Um, This is just, and I know this is sounding very cynical of me, this is just their latest in kind of owning that narrative. Because this is a WWE Studios production. I laughed out loud when I finally saw it on the big screen. Because prior to this, they're releasing usually straight to DVD shit starring The Miz or fucking... (laughs) Awful John Cena video. Or Kane's horror movies. Yeah, Kane's horror movies, John Cena shitty action movies. Did you know they're now on the Marine Six? But you didn't know. What the fuck is The Marine? Do you remember John Cena was in a film called The Marine? No, that's why I'm asking you. There was a theatrical release movie starring John oh Cena called God. The Marine. I believe he was also in The Marine Two. I wonder
0: what he played.
1: He was a Marine movie. Who you know. would have known? Um they were going to get Randy Orton to be the Marine, but turns out he actually went AWOL from the Marines in real life, and that was a bit disrespectful. So <laughs> they gave it to a geezer called Ted DiBiase Jr. He retired two years after that, and ever since he's been The Miz. Um, <laughs> and they're just on DVD these days. Shawn Michaels in the last one. This is making not a lot of sense to other non-wrestling fans. Sorry but that. I'll get to the point in a second. Um, so this is the first time I've seen that logo in the ring screen. I went, PAH! <laughs> they think they're a real studio. <laughs> I know they're not a real studio because they keep lambasting me for being straight-to-DVD movies that aren't very good. <laughs> movies they themselves have made. <laughs> Wesley makes no sense and he's run by idiots. <laughs> 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 crazy, crazy, money-burning idiots. Um, where was I? So, uh, this is a movie based um, on a documentary, The Rock saw. <laughs> Not lying. Fucking
0: it was on hell. Channel
1: Four. It was called "Fighting with My Family." The actual documentary was called that, and it's about a family from Norwich uh, who are all wrestlers. So the mum and dad are wrestlers, and both all their kids, all three of them, are uh, wrestlers. And it's about those kids. It was documenting their life of kind of running um, a local family-run wrestling show that was a bit kind of backwatery, mm. a bit sketchy in Proper Norwich. Norwich. Proper Norwich. Proper Norwich. But then the um, the daughter Paige and the youngest son uh, who's called Zach um, both get tryouts with the WWE. Um, they go and do it in London, and only Paige gets picked. Right. And this is kind of the story of her going to um, NXT in Florida and trying to fit in over there, while Zach is kind of you know dealing with not being chosen mm. and not being able to live his dreams. Um, so legit, that was all in the documentary. The Rock saw it whilst he was over here filming Fast and the Furious and decided, I'm going to make a movie out of that that just so happens to play into this whole women's revolution thing they're trying to do. And you know what? In the same way that we're saying all these movies, we're not getting dragged into, oh, feminism, it's all oh, they're corrupting the story. Right. More representation is always good, and I appreciate it, no matter how much I think it's a cynical marketing exercise from them to own a negative narrative at the time of, no, we're pushing women's revolution, it's all great. I'm all for it. The movie itself, though, oh right, I'll tell you what my girlfriend thought it first, because I think that's a true representation of the movie overall. She really liked it. Mm. Uh, she's in no way, shape, or form a wrestling fan, despite my best efforts, doesn't care for it whatsoever, but she really liked it. So you think that I would? I think you would. Um, and I, I, It's got a really good review. It's by far and away their best reviewed movie. Um, it's got 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, fucking I don't think it's that good, even if I wasn't as inside baseball as I am um, it's uh, Florence Pugh uh, who's going to be in the Black Widow movie it transpired this week ah, cool. um, He's playing Paige um, and uh, I, there's no one else really her brother's played by Jack Loudon who I've never seen anything uh, the big names attached to this are Nick Frost is playing her dad yeah. uh, he's fucking hilarious <laughs> oh my god uh, there's a bit where he's talking to a wrestler backstage and he's on the phone to a booker and he's saying I don't think he's going to do that uh, will you be hitting the head with a dustbin lid? And he goes, I don't know what that feels like. He just picks it up and clatters him in the face. <laughs> and the guy sits there and goes, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> and then he goes back on the phone and says, what? How do you feel about a bowling ball in the dick? <laughs> and he says, oh, I don't know. And he says, ooh,
0: ooh.
1: <laughs> Cracks him in the dick with a bowling ball he's on the phone going, oh, hang on, I think he's coming round. <laughs> he's hilarious. Uh, Lena Headey pays her mom, Soraya Knight. Mm. Um, so, um, oh my God, I forgot the name for Game of Thrones. Why am I so bad at this? Cersei from Game of Thrones yeah. is her mom, uh, and Vince Vaughn's also in this. You may not have known this. Vince yes, Vaughn, the trainer, the guy. trainer from NXT. Um, a surprisingly short amount of wrestlers turn. Oh, Stephen Merchant directs this. Um, really, Stephen Merchant is director. They did the Tooth Fairy together, him and The Rock, so that's why he was picked. Stephen Merchant directed the Tooth Fairy. Uh, he was in the. I oh, was in fairy. the Tooth Fairy, yeah. oh, uh, okay. and they've <laughs> kept in contact. That's a, um, that's a friendship, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And he said he was the only person on set who was taller than The Rock that made him feel very happy. Um, and uh, The Rock's in it himself, um, as The Rock. As The Rock, uh, there's a few cameos. The Big Show and Seamus turn up. The Miz turns up at one point, but they're like basic background cameos. Um, there is a turn up from Dave Mastiff my personal favourite wrestler who's the big fat guy from the West Midlands who can do backflips oh yeah um, he's awesome he turns up for like one scene and I was like <laughs> um, that's basically it um, in terms of the story now the f- Nick, Nick Frost kind of generates a lot of the humour it is genuinely quite a funny movie. It's got some um, some good. That's Vince Vaughn doesn't really give that many, which is a bit odd. But mm. Vince Vaughn's kind of not been all that funny recently. Well, it's
0: Vince Vaughn? What do you want from him?
1: Wedding Crashers was funny. It's okay. I love Wedding Crashers. Um, he's good in. Is he in dodgeball? Yes, he is in. Dodgeball. Oh, he He's He's ahead of dodgeball. Yeah. Um, and it, it takes you through like it's 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 in two parts. You're mainly following Paige, and it's like telling the story of her. she doesn't fit in because she's this pale goth looking girl from norwich in the world of like glamour models at a time when nxt was more focused on hiring models who were just chancing at wrestling to get famous as opposed to hiring good wrestlers uh they've since changed on The head obviously as part of the women's revolution they've downplayed that massively um so it's about her not fitting in she goes back home at christmas her brother kind of is very harsh to her. in the ring they have a match together and he's very unsafe with her because he's struggling with it being told by Vince Bourne several times you're not special you don't have the X Factor you'll never make it you'll be a journeyman you can carve out a nice career but it's not for you son
0: you'll be X-Pac
1: yeah exactly I'm X-Pac <laughs> exactly that but the, the, now, there's two problems with this one because it's based on true life it has to follow true life events mm. there's an asterisk there I'll get back to that in a second <laughs> So I knew going in, the obvious way of you writing this story um, as, a, as a normal thing, if it was completely made up, in the end, obviously, he would earn his place in NXT and prove everyone wrong. That doesn't happen. He never makes it to WWE. He's still not there. He's never going to be at this point. Um, so that makes that Hang kind so, of... So in the movie, the brother doesn't ever get in. Yes, but also in real life, he never gets in. So he never redeems himself and never proves everybody wrong. He just accepts that he's not great, and he's just learns how to be happy for his sister, mm. which is odd because you spend a fair amount of time with him. It's just as much his movie as his pages, mm. but his story has no real payoff other than yeah, she's using my finisher eh.
0: and that's
1: it. yeah, it's right. really odd, um but if you're going to stick to that stick that close to true life, that's always going to be a problem. um The page stuff has more payoff um. But the big asterisk next to sticks to real-life events in that it doesn't actually stick to real-life events. Oh. Do you know the problems you have with Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, you have with I this have movie. I have with this movie. Okay. And this is why I'm saying that Rachel is more of a, a barometer for how good the movie actually was because I'm just too far in the rabbit hole because I keep going, no, that didn't happen. Actually, duh. I so can respect that, though. The big payoff at the end is that she's working in NXT, she's doing these little small Florida shows, which is what they do with their developing talent. There's basically now three tiers, you go do house shows, which means it's a show, but there's no cameras, you're not recorded. They let all the rookies go there, or people they've just brought in to let them get used to the size of the ring, because wrestling rings are different sizes, you may not know that. Um, So it's getting them used to the style. There's also different styles of wrestling, like Japan style's different, the UK style's different. They need everyone to do the WWE style. You then move on to NXT on TV and have a few matches there, and then you go into the main roster. This tells a shortened version of this. And I understand why they cut a certain bit out because it makes more sense thematically and storyline wise to do this. But she goes from doing like little pissant shows where she's not really doing great except for her last one where she finds a bit of a character and then immediately jumps to the end of this story where she faces incumbent champion AJ Lee on TV and beats her for the title. Mm. And that seems like that's her jump. She's just picked one day, you're going to win. They don't skirt around it being predetermined at all. They make quite a few jokes about it. But the way that scene is shown, it makes it seem like it was an actual legitimate fight and Paige actually beat her. Which, one, doesn't really make sense because you know it's predetermined. But you don't, obviously, they don't give you the scene where Paige finds out she's going to win the title or anything like that. That's gone for thematic purposes, but it makes it kind of this weird juxtaposition between. Well, is wait, hang on, is this is this shoot now when you go into the main roster? Mm. It's just fake when you're down here. Makes sense. Also, that make it seem like a really big achievement for this outsider who won the respect and became a champion. She was already champion when she won that title. She was NXT Women's Champion, and therefore, and had already started this kind of groundswell of support for the Divas on NXT. Right. So they completely skip her being on TV and being a champion already. I understand why they did that. This That was the obvious point to do. It was her beating AJ Lee, who BT dubs is the real kind of starting point for the women's revolution. They cut this big... Um, Stephanie Man gave this big promo about a guy called R-Truth and how he's crap and everything. And um, he started a hashtag called Give Truth a Chance. Mm. Some fans jumped on it and made it Give Divas a Chance. Stephanie talked about it on TV saying how great it was. And AJ Lee called her bullshit on Twitter saying, well, why do you pay the women a fraction of what the men are paid? Hmm. Great champion of women's rights. And Stephanie McMahon had to go, huh. Because Stephanie McMahon is like king, like sociopathic branding woman. Yeah. Like the, In the, character the, or actual? Both. Oh, her fake smile and the rhetoric does not drop with that woman. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're looking to change that. We're in the conversation. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, she's also made to CM Punk, who is public enemy number one in WWE. Fun. So that's why she's not really CM Punk. Is
0: not a wrestler anymore. CM Punk.
1: Indeed. Okay. There's rumours he may be coming back to, but to a different company. No, one, no one wants that. Uh, uh, no. Uh, to he's an arsehole, anyway. Because the guy who sat in the ring like a baby? Yes. Okay. He's a justified arsehole, but he's an arsehole nonetheless. Anyway, we won't get dragged into that. But that's why AJ Lee's downplayed in this. She's played by a different wrestler in this. They didn't get the real woman into play. Mm. Um, so that. Um, and, and, and it means I was just too annoyed. And I know it's me ruining the movie for myself. But I was like, that's not what actually happened. And I don't feel you have in truth to the story. You've told a better story here, but I. I ruined it myself I'm the enemy here I know this I ruined it myself I can give it a hearty recommendation it, it kind of helps to be a bit of a wrestling fan or at least be au okay with it but they make enough jokes to kind of bring you into the, the inner circle mm. of not skirting around it being fake and stuff like that it's got some good laughs um, that again aren't reliant on your knowledge of wrestling they really don't do many insider things in fact any at all I don't think Um, but it's the Bohemian Rhapsody problem yeah. it's something I didn't have I know a fair amount about Queen I didn't have that Bohemian Rhapsody, but obviously this is you know one of the few things I know the most about yeah. so it's always going to hurt me plus they also neatly skip the end of the story by just having like they don't do you know the end of the biopics and they tell you what they're going yeah, yeah. to do they but, said just play pictures from the documentary like the end of Itonia to prove oh no all these people oh, are yeah. real uh, because they left it at the point where she um, had a sex tape leaked yep. uh, married Alberto Del Rio um, probably <laughs> Uh, public enemy number one before CM Bump became public enemy number one burnt all the bridges left the company um, divorced Alberto Del Rio came back broken neck and had to retire skip over all that broken neck uh, yeah holy shit um, yes yeah, she was out for a while with like a big injury she came back unexpectedly everyone thought she was going to retire but she came back uh, and then just freak accident um, took a relatively safe bump Sasha Banks boot her in the back uh, Swollen of the back, she went back, but the whiplash on her neck um, either broke it or got to the point where it was so like, mm, where it's like, yeah, one bad whack on the head and you're paralysed for life from the neck. day. So she had to retire. So yeah, Holy she's now retired. Shit. She's younger than us.
0: Jesus. And she's retired already. So I can
1: see why they ended where they did.
0: I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely bits of that you don't want to bridge in the film, specifically the sex tape bit. Jesus Christ. I will say.
1: Because they must have put this production into... I don't know if it was in production before the sex tape stuff. I can't remember timelines on that. Um, because I think it was just either before or after the fappening happened that, that that came out. So I can't really figure out timeline-wise where they end up. But put it this way, I don't think if that had happened, don't think this would be the woman they'd be champing for WWE's feminist movie. <laughs> like, it's, it's a great story. It's the one that makes the most sense to do once you cut that section out. But being the brand aware company they are to yeah. the kind of sickening
0: degree, they probably would have picked somebody else. On reflection, though, would this movie, would that movie have been better had they done the full whack story? Had they just gone, right, I know this is a WWE story, but there is more to tell after this whole, the uprising? I, I don't think so, because narratively, there's not a good ending. No. You
1: have to end her, uh, you have to get to, say they told it to the point we are today, She'd have to be retired at the age of 26, 27, can't ever wrestle again, demoted to manager, having had sex tapes leaked, and being divorced.
0: Does that sort of like make it a bit more of those, not bittersweet endings, but just bitter endings? Yeah. vaguely reminds me of The Wrestler, because that's not a happy movie. (laughs) I must say,
1: yeah, this is a movie that does make you feel bad about being a wrestling fan, thankfully, so that's pretty good. Um, I appreciate it on that level. It's probably the best movie with wrestling in it. Mm. I'm still looking to think of a better one. Um, Rocky three technically, has a bit of wrestling. <laughs> but there we are. Um, so I can recommend it. It is very good. And again, it is me ruining it. I would like to try and see this with someone who's not as, you know, oh. fucking deep in the lore as I fucking am. Yeah. That might improve it. But, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, did I prefer it to Lego Movie... I don't know, they're about on a pile. I don't suspect either of them will be in the top ten come the end of the year. There's a lot of movies coming out this year that can potentially knock these down. But both of these movies, Lego Movie 2 and this, I think are worth giving a go to. You may have been put off because, you know, one's a kids movie and one's um, a wrestling movie, all things. I think they both rise above the genre. That's They're not being held back by the genre. They're
0: held back by other things. But, um, yeah, give them a go in this Feminist February. And inside that grouping, the whole, you know, the kids movie, the wrestling movie, and the anime movie. Yeah. And they're all All, female-fronted, and they're all... All good. All really good. I preferred all...
1: Well, I haven't seen a um, (laughs) A Link to the Past Battle Angel, but (laughs) I preferred Lego Movie and Fighting My Family to Captain Marvel, I think. And again, that's not to throw Captain Marvel on the bus. If you listen to that review, you might think we are doing, but it's just, again, a (laughs) rampantly... Don't worry, we've
0: got a bigger, long version of that. A rampantly okay movie. I think both of these are better. Yeah, I think Alita is by far and away the better the better movie and the better feminist movie yep. compared to Captain Marvel, on reflection. I still like Captain Marvel, and I really like Alita, mm-hmm. um, but everything has to be boiled down to a fucking war on Twitter these days, and there was I this know. whole thing of pitting Alita against Captain Marvel, which is the better feminist. Who gives a shit? Which is the better movie? I think it's Alita, on reflection. I still like Captain Marvel. I enjoyed my time. But I think Alita is just a bit more of a of a triumph animation, anime adaptation, and a female fronted character.
1: These fucking bottom feeding trolls will find something better to do with their time because it's clear that this is now going to become the norm. Well, yeah! I mean, we already know there's a Wonder Woman sequel on the way, we finally getting the Black Widow movie, there's going to be Captain Marvel sequels, and so on and so forth across the board. Um,
0: oh, excuse uh, me, sorry. Oh
1: my god, Magal, am I boring you that much with my feminist talk? <laughs> It's um, um it's It's going to become the norm. I think we've now... The, the the myth that female-led action movies, or any movie for that matter, can't make money, is fucking dead and buried where it fucking should be. Yeah.
0: So, Although, that being said, one of the biggest things I've been reading today on Twitter was... Uh, so, Jordan Peele's Us came out this week. Oh, yeah, there's another one. I do want to go and see that, but I don't quite know what the argument is like. It's like when will everybody watch go and watch uh, movies made by black people why don't they make as much money I'm like it's fucking Jordan Peele Mm -hmm. big ass name why are you singling out us as the problem when like that's going to make all the fucking money I mean if you really want to dig into those those issues of 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 movies made by and starring "quote unquote" minority groups. I'm going to say "quote unquote" black people, yeah. <laughs> it's not a quote Well, <laughs> like the, the the minority yeah. Yeah, subject yeah, yeah. movie. So, like the, fi- the not the women are a fucking minority, but you know what I mean. It's this this idea that anything that is not being targeted towards straight man, straight white man, is a niche movie. But. Black Panther, mm. Get Out, mm. Us—I'm sure is going to do absolute fucking mm. gangbusters. Elita did four hundred million worldwide. Holy Black Um
1: i had another one on my brain, but I can't. Green Book's just won the fucking Oscar. Green Book so... just won the Oscar. Don't worry. Brace yourself for this sentence. There's one good thing Donald Trump has done for us. Oh Christ alive! I know. I know. But clearly, Hollywood went right. No, we've got to prove that we're not all bigoted and stupid and narrow-minded. Here comes Variety, motherfucker, and <laughs> that's good. If there's and it has been happened. one good ripple effect from that fucking awful decision half a country made. It's that we're now getting variety, representation, and um, you know, new ideas and new themes in movies pouring in. So thanks, Donald.
0: Yay! Cheers. Utter fucking toast. yes. Uh, yeah so there we go Feminist February and we ended it with praising Donald Trump plug away Michael <laughs> <laughs> you can go and follow the site at Foul that's F-O-U-L-E-N-T on any of the websites of your choice be they Twitter be they Facebook be they SoundClouds be they Spotify oh. you can also go to foundstamer.com for more shit like this and written versions as well you can go and follow me uh, at that Mike going on Twitter and Instagram you can go and follow Darren on at the Goodridge, at Twitter and I'm on Instagram, I've just changed it. His- if you just changed just it, just change it with the Guthridge jumbo. The Guthridge on Twitter and Instagram. That's going to make this ending a lot easier for Woo! me. But thank you very much for listening to this uh, feminist movie roundup episode of Sp- what are we fucking called? Pop Popcorn. Pop scorn, Jesus, Jesus Christ, man. it's late, and we hope to see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye!